Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. <laughs> Hello and welcome to What Is It All For? I'm your podcast host, Jason, Joe, my wife, Caroline, and this is the What Is It All For? podcast. You scare me when you do that. When I just like go into something random. Well, it's just that voice. Also, this is someone's first episode. Uh-huh. Do you think they have a good idea of what this podcast would be about? This, do you, do this you is... have a good idea about what this podcast? I'm no, just kidding. Not really. Yeah, exactly. No, no, really. no, absolutely not. I, I, th- I think about that when I go into a new podcast. Yeah. My... Because uh, usually you get recommended an episode. Yeah. So you are you go, oh, okay, I'm going to go listen to that episode. And then, of they course. They just drop in. They just drop in. And because like, it's like their 86th episode. I know. And you're like, hey, guys. So I do we need to do an intro every time? No, because no, here's what I do. Intro. Here's what I do. Okay. As a, as a podcast listener of other podcasts, I immediately, like, I'll maybe listen to an episode. But if I'm like, I need to know more about you. You go to the first episode. I go to the first episode. I never And I that. listen to the more about them so that I can, I don't have to, like, just think the entire time, like, who are these people? You know? Like, so I do a little bit So you do the work. extra yeah. effort. Boy, we could do an entire podcast on that. About doing a little extra Doing effort. a little extra effort. Yeah. Um, I have some thoughts. Yeah. Of okay. just, like, how we've gotten to this point where oh, people want things are... to be delivered to them instead of being like, so much. maybe just drop into a quick Google. Maybe so just much. do a quick Google. I mean, this is, I deal with this every day in Teacherie's Help Docs. And, right. And I'm like, like, just, look just for search it. a help doc. Just now, I do understand that there are people who use search phrases that I didn't think about when I wrote sure. those help docs. And so I try and ask them, hey, what were you searching search, for? Yeah, so yeah. I can stuff those keywords into that help doc. And then people can find them. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a really interesting, just like that as a microcosm. Anyway, maybe we'll do a whole episode on that. If you guys want to hear it, hello at wanderinginfo.com. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, I want to get to a really important preamble topic. Yeah. And I think Yeah, I know what know, it is. It's pretty big news. You want to share? We, we did a cinnamon poll. <laughs> <laughs> How proud of yourself are you? You know what? Yeah. I will take that as a that's sex, That's, that's your, your redemption. That's your redemption. Yeah. yeah we you, did a cinnamon poll. All right, cinnamon rollers. Yeah. On our coaching session this past, was it, was it last week? Uh, time doesn't matter. A ta- it's a <laughs> time construct. Time is just a construct. <laughs> we asked those in attendance. Our Wandering Gameplay members. Our Wandering Gameplay members, because, you know, a lot of you guys listening are members. We yeah. know that. And uh, so well, not, the, and we have nine listeners. Well, of course, seven, seven of them, of them are, are members. <laughs> and we know, and they, there was some chatter in the chat going on about lollers versus rollers. And so we just thought, let's let's just toss a poll up on the yeah. screen. I don't Thanks, remember, Zoom. Yeah, I don't remember who brought it up. I'm sorry, I didn't remember who brought it up. But someone brought it up, and I was like, oh, throw that in the Q&A. We are chatting yep. up. And then... It was down to the wire, and it was it was like it, we, it was like watching the live vote of American really Idol when they used to do the, or the yeah, Voice yeah, when they yeah. used to do the like live polling thing because it was like yeah. 49, 51, whatever. And yeah. then and I was just basically screaming at the end for someone else <laughs> to, to cast a vote. Yeah, remember, and where did it end? Remember? Do you remember me just going, please? Yeah, please, please. And it ended up at fifty-one, forty-nine, in favor of cinnamon rollers. Yeah, buddy. 
And I suppose that I'm going to have to just swallow that. And, but I did get my cinnamon pole You pun did get in your there. cinnamon pole pun in there. And I, if, I, if you guys ever want to just drop cinnamon lolers in like a review or like uh -huh, an email, uh -huh. then I'll know you're an OG and uh, it'll be our secret. An OG. No, they're not an OG. They're a Carol G. A Carol G. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the cinnamon rollers who mm -hmm. came. They showed up. They did what they needed to do. They answered the cinnamon poll. And we have our definitive cinnamon roller moving forward. That's fine. And for I'm all you so... rollers, I'm welcoming you into the roller camp. They don't want to be welcomed. They, they, they do. They, they want to be, be, rollers... be rolled hey, right in. Rollers for life. Rollers for <laughs> life. Was for life. Uh, so that's the fun thing. Also, I had a half of a cinnamon roll before we started recording. It was this. humongo. So uh, hey, that's why you I like had that half icing. It was on a little, the cinnamon roll. Yeah, it was a little different than your normal. Yeah, it's uh, less of like a cream cheese icing. No, 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 it was more of a cream cheese, less of like a sugar icing. Oh yeah, you're right. You're Thank right. You. Yeah, because I don't really make a cream cheese. You icing, do not. You so. make more of the traditional sugar. Um, so the reason why I had a larger cinnamon roll than normal and only ate half of it because you guys care so much about that, so I have to share. Yeah, of course. Uh, we have been putting off the dentist. Some of us for quite a long time. I don't and know I'm, if we want to even say how long. No, no. I, I, I love like, being honest with our. Cinnamon I feel like they're going to judge us rollers a, a lot. No, no. I think this is a relatable thing for some people. Okay. So I have genetically bad teeth. They sure. are soft. It's I your get, genetic weakness. It is my... And if you don't get that joke, I don't really... genetic weakness. I don't want to explain it, but it's uh, a joke. <laughs> my mom's mouth full of cavities. My mouth full of cavities. And from a small child age, dentists were like, oh, yeah, these are soft teeth. Gonna be like, a truck. Gonna have soft teeth. Soft teeth, yeah. On an episode called The Art of Making It Hard. Oh, lol. Lol. Uh, Cinnamon lol. So anyway, I have a mouthful of silver at this point. Yeah. And it's just a lot of fillings. I've had a lot. I have not been to the dentist in 10 years. The last time I went to the Say dentist. Again. <laughs> 10 years. 10 years ago. Uh, we were in a different aught of the 2000s. <laughs> uh, I got a root canal is the mm, last thing babe. I got done. And it was not fun at all. Doesn't sound it. And here's the problem. So I don't know if anybody can relate to this who's listening. I am a high metabolizer when it comes to medicine and things like that. Yes. Two very quick examples. Benadryl. I could take four Benadryl. I do not get drowsy. I can take a half a Benadryl no, 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 no. and I will I can sleep. bring the Benadryl box out of the drawer and show it to you and you go... <laughs> <laughs> right to sleep. Oh, this is where we're we're so well balanced yeah. for each other. Uh, other quick example, just because this is where it shows, I think, my genetic strength. Uh, I had to, I had to <laughs> go to the emergency room for mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. many years ago. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't life threatening. Don't worry. Um, oh, I mean, you're it, alive. Maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was. Uh, lots of things are life threatening. Going outside is life threatening. Very good point. Um, I'm I'm sitting there uh, with my mom. This is you know back in the time when like you could go to emergency room with people and. The doctor comes up and he's like, hey, like, we're going to give uh, Jason some Dilaudid, which is like this, like, narcotic painkiller. Like, it's really tough stuff. And he's like, you know, he's going to feel weird. He's going to feel probably a little bit loopy. And it's going to just make him really calm and drowsy <laughs> for, like, the next couple of hours. Yeah. Or at least for the next hour. And my mom's like, I've heard this story before. So they, they give me an injection of this thing. And literally, my body, like, from my toes to my head, I just felt, like, goosebumps go up my body. Yeah. I broke into a quick sweat. Just, like, boom, flop sweat. My mom looked at me. She was like, you okay? And I'm like, I literally, like, shivered. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and the doctor came back five minutes later, and he's like, what's, what's going happening? on? 
And she was like, I tried to tell you he's a high metabolizer. It comes in minutes. So anyway. Like, it didn't even affect didn't you. Didn't even affect me. Yeah. So back to the dental uh, item. I always am like, please give me more Novocaine. Please, like, an extra shot. Like, it's going like, to wear off. They're like, yeah, sure, we will. And then they don't. And then there's just, like, they're in there and it doesn't feel good. I'm totally. not going to go into it deeper because we all hate our teeth being dealt with. Yeah. So anyway, we go to the dentist. You go first. Yeah, I um, I haven't been to the dentist in like seven years. Yeah. Not quite as bad as the 10, but s- certainly we, we kind of moved from Florida to California and we just meant to get to the dentist. And well, then, also we kept moving. Exactly. So it like made it harder. It to, made it really yeah. hard. We kept changing insurances and ultimately we hated the dentist, so we never made the appointment. Yeah. And so anyway, those of you who know, um, if you're not a first time listener, I struggle with anxiety. And so I was just dreading this whole thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to tell me there's so much stuff wrong and blah, blah, blah. You've never had a cavity your entire life. I've That's important to I've never had a note. cavity. Yeah. And so I go and they're like, yeah, I mean, for honestly, I told them the truth. Yeah. And they were like, for not going for seven years, this is unbelievable. And the dentist even, he's like, oh, can you quickly like bite down? And he's like checking stuff out. He's like, yeah, I see you had like a ceiling a couple years ago, blah, blah, blah. He's like, and clearly you had some braces. And I was like, nope, didn't have braces. And he was like, Amazing. are you serious? Amazing. And so you have soft teeth. Yeah. I have hard teeth. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The dentist comes in for you and he's like, wow, what a wow. great mouth. The dentist Gorgeous comes in for me teeth. and he goes, I'm sorry, here's the bill. Yeah. Yeah. So you, Yeah, you came home and you were like, did did you get a bill? And yeah. I was like, no, 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 I did not. Paperwork. I asked if you got paperwork. Yeah. I had multiple pages. So uh, for those of you who care, I have to get three crowns, Aww. three fillings, and two of my teeth have fractures in them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, it is really not funny, but just picturing you with, like, broken teeth, yeah, just yeah, yeah. powering through, yeah. there couldn't be a more Jason way to live oh, life. I also have one I showed you because they showed it to me as well. Uh, part, part of my filling, silver filling, chipped off at some point in my life, Neat. in my back molar, and you can see it. There's yeah, just a big chunk missing, and he's like, yeah, there's decay in there, and, like, we need to get mm, that wrapped mm, up quick. Mm. We need to get it quick. So, uh, anyway, uh, that's our that's our update. That's why I had a larger than normal yeah. cinnamon roll, because well, I went to a donut shop, and they had a gigantic cinnamon yeah. roll, and I was like, I want it. I was really proud what of What a preamble, wow. I was proud of myself yesterday, or two two days ago, for going to the dentist, so I said, I'm going to get a treat on the way in home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came home with a smoothie, yeah. and Jason said, I, <laughs> I'm going to come home with a treat as well, and came home with a dozen donuts, and that just shows you, like, yeah. how our different... It was half a dozen. I have half some restraint. That was how each of our... Listen, I'm not food shaming anyone. No, 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 no. Eat no. a whole I dozen. just want everyone to know that I do love donuts, but I also have a l- like a tiny bit of restraint. I used, to get a, I used to get a dozen 10 years you ago. You did, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe that yeah. has something to do with your cavities. No, well, that's funny. How I do many remember cavities did they say you have? Three, because I need three fillings. Oh, I don't know I would imagine they might, there might actually be more where I have like the silver filling stuff mm. is going on. I think at that point, Dr. Stewart was like, listen, man. You're going to come in, we're going to sedate you, and we're just going to fix it all. We're just going to be in there drilling and you moving thing. and doing things. I'm not. I'm I'm really sad for you. Yeah. I'm it's... really relieved for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you have great teeth. They Thank look you. great. Yeah, Thank you. Great. Anyway, all right, let's move on from the stupid dental update. Like, but oh, I feel dentist. like I like the cinnamon rollers are like, yeah, I'm here for this. I am here for this. Yeah, this and if track. you're somebody who's been putting it off, honestly, it doesn't go away. It doesn't get better. It only gets worse. So just go to the dentist. It yeah. wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, a cleaning, like a normal cleaning for people who know you don't have things wrong with yeah. your teeth. Like, yeah, Even with all the stuff bad. that you had in your mouth, though, like, was the experience of getting your teeth cleaned as bad as you thought it was going to be? Awful. Do you want to know why? Because here's the thing. So we talked about this as well. You didn't get any topical numbing. 
Yeah. Right? Because I told them, I was like, I have sensitive teeth. I have a couple painful areas because of cavities and whatever. So you did get numbed and it didn't work and you, it still was really painful. The whole time, was it painful? She numbed my mouth with topical numbing 10 times. And she, the first time she did it, she was like, this should last like 15 minutes, but you're a high metabolizer. She even acknowledged it. She was like, it'll last 10. Two to three minutes later, I kid you not, I'm like, my mouth is not numb anymore. This is how... And she was just like, wow, you really are. And I'm like, I don't know. I like, I need a sign you need that a I sign. wear. You need to wear a t-shirt yeah. that's like, num- high metabolizer. More. Yeah. High metabolizer times 10. Babe, this is where you have to communicate to people your experience because I didn't know it was that terrible for you. Oh, it's just awful. You just are so good at like kind of brushing it off. But, but like, that I, sounds really I terrible. I did watch some Chopped on TV. Well, yeah. They my had, TV was broken, so yeah, I had Food Network, grateful. so I watched some old episodes of Chopped. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the art of making hard. Lol. Lol. Um, are you going to name this episode that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The art of making it hard. Lol. Yeah. Okay. So if you're wondering what in the world does this mean? Yeah. We, this is a phrase that we have developed into our lexicon. Jason sort of coined this phrase like many years ago. Um, and the origin of it is just meant to describe our approach sometimes to marketing where, which goes against conventional marketing advice, conventional marketing advice being make it as easy as possible for like your customers to buy or convert or whatever, make the funnel as slippery as possible, make like remove air, every barrier. Get to all the growth get hacks. Get all the growth hacks, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes, some of that is fine. Yeah. But sometimes in our business, we've found that by making it a little bit, like adding in that extra step for, that someone has to take. A little take, bit of friction. By having that little bit of friction, you can ensure that you are weeding out some of the people that you don't need in your audience because they're not that committed to your content anyway. So we're going to describe that in this episode, but over the years, we, it has just come to be, to mean like the, the art of making it hard. hard. So like we will talk about certain barriers that we're putting in place in order to make it harder for people to find our things or harder for people to buy from us. And we'll just go, yeah, but it's the art of making it hard. And so we're going to dive into that in this episode and kind of, um, show you how maybe some of our advice goes a little bit against conventional wisdom and why we feel that way. And the what is it all for of the art of making it hard is to have better customers, better subscribers. People that want to be in your audience. Higher quality followers. People that will go the extra mile. The perfect example is what we said earlier. Exactly. Someone who is going to scroll back to the first episode of your podcast because they care enough to listen as opposed to having to spoon feed someone every single time. Absolutely. And I do think that there is a time and a pace... place i think i want to acknowledge some of the privilege that we have now yeah because we've been doing this for so long like i think that's the other thing like i have a lot of sympathy for someone who's just getting started it it means that every person like oh you know make don't do the growth hack thing make it a little bit harder on yourself like i I totally understand for you dear listener you may want to use some of those tactics to build up to get to a place where you can make it a little bit harder make a little friction but what i will say is we'll talk about in many different examples is that Sometimes, though, if you start with the more friction setup, you build a better audience earlier, you build a better customer base earlier, and then you don't have to weed people out yeah. who aren't good uh, when it comes to being customers or you know fans or whatever. Yeah, or before you know it, you've built an audience based on people who only wants free stuff from you or only wants the easy button yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, and really good customers are, they don't want the easy button. Yeah. They want to support you. They want to go that extra mile for you. They care enough about your content and what you deliver that, um, you know, 
I, I just find that it's a better ultimate customer. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to talk about some of our examples first? Kind of set yeah, the stage? Yeah, because I think it, maybe this is all in very abstract terms, but just to give you some concrete examples yep. of how this has showed up in our business. So a first example is switching over the welcome mat on our um, blog, on our website, from just entering your email address to, to being a quiz. So explain to people how that is a representation of the art of making it hard. Yeah, so a welcome mat, for those of you who don't know, think about like a doormat in front of your door. It's the first thing someone sees when they get to your website. So it's this big thing. If you go to any article on our Wandering Aimfully site, like if you go to wanderingaimfully.com slash enough, you'll see a big welcome mat that says, take our quiz. Well, what it used to say was, want to get our weekly emails. We talk about this, this, and this, like, you know, some good copy about that. And then an email box right there that people could submit their email. And that was pretty high converting. I mean, we, we get a decent amount of organic traffic, so we would get a decent amount of subscribers. And and it built up those vanity metrics of subscribers. You'd be like, oh, I'm getting 300 subscribers a week. This is great, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what you don't realize is that it's not hard for that person to sign up. And then it's not going to create any friction for them to actually care about the thing that you're sending them. Mm -hmm. So what we changed it to was the quiz that we have now. And you have to answer seven questions. Yeah, it's like five to seven questions. You have to answer all the questions. You have to also care about the questions that are being asked. So a lot of those people who just like signed up, you know, before, they probably get to question one or two and they're like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm mm -hmm. not starting my own business. I, I don't I don't identify as an entrepreneur or creative person. Like, I'm out. I don't care. I just wanted, I got this article about whatever. I want maybe more of that. But like, they don't seem to be for me. Right. Which is awesome. We yeah. want that friction so that someone sloughs off into the universe. Right. The, that self-selection process. Yep. Um, and then and then kind of the way that the quiz works is someone finishes the quiz. They enter the, their email mm -hmm. to then kind of like get the results of the quiz that shows us, oh, hey, this person cares. They want to know more. They, they want to They spent a little bit us. of time. They invested a little bit of their um, precious time. And so they care enough to be in our audience. And yeah, that's a, a good example. Um, another example that I thought of recently, I was talking to you about this on a walk. So this is a month or two ago when we were really um, experimenting with Instagram reels. Yep. And I saw one, one woman who has quite a bit, was in sort of the business space and has quite a bit of, I would say viral Instagram reels, like reels that clearly have gone to the explore page where they have like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. And one thing I noticed, a tactic that I noticed she was doing is in the very first two lines of her caption of the reel, she'll put like two little emoji fingers and she'll be like, follow, and then she'll put her own handle. Yep. Now you can imagine if you do that in a caption, if someone sees that in their feed, you're like, but I already follow you. Right. But what she knows is that the majority of organic people are gonna see this on like the explore page, they're gonna not be following, and she's trying to convert every single new person who doesn't know about her yep. into a follower. And I thought to myself, oh, that's really smart. Like that's strategic. That's a good way of putting yourself in the shoes of the person finding this video. But then I thought about it for ourselves. I was like, oh, yep. maybe we should do this. And then I thought about it and I was like, but the thing is, we, we want to make it a little bit hard for people. I want, I don't want you to just click follow directly from the first time you're seeing us in your explore page. We want the people who click through to our avatar, they see our profile, they maybe check out a couple of our posts and they say, oh, wow, like they are for me. Like they, I am aligned with their value. So now I'm going to hit follow. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of how the art of making it hard. You're going to get less followers, but you're going to get people who align with your values because they have taken the time. I mean, of course, you can't check that every person has like, yeah. you know, read your bio, but you get what I'm saying yeah. is like, you're definitely better 
you know, situated for people to know what you're about and follow you because of that. Yeah. And I think one of the like examples that we've all seen, especially on something like Instagram is you go to an account, someone who has 50,000 followers and maybe even way more than that. You look at one of their posts and it has like 25 likes and no comments. Mm Mm-hmm. And you go, mm, okay, first of all, they could be buying followers. But even if they're not, and there's someone who's getting some type of like viral growth, what you're seeing is that that person that's that followed is the type of person who just follows for the viral hits. Right. They don't follow because they they want to engage. They, right. So I think that's one of the things that I have so much pride in for our Instagram account uh, on, or our Wandering Infly Instagram account, is that the engagement is really good. Mm-hmm. There, And I don't care about the number of likes. I just mean that the comments are there. People are, are resonating with the content. We're getting DMs with every single poster story that we put up. And to me, that's always a really good sign. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with an email list. When you are yeah. getting replies, like open rates are fine. There's a lot of nuance there. Click-through rates, there's a lot of nuance there. But getting replies, mm-hmm. especially when you ask a question to your email newsletter audience, that shows you have a healthy email especially list. Especially when you ask the question at the bottom of the email. Absolutely. And, and I think that those are the types of things you start to realize as you build your own brand or build your own business that if I make it a little bit harder for people, but they care a little bit more, mm-hmm. oh, this is a much better situation than just having a bunch of vanity metrics that mean absolutely nothing. And we can both attest to having vanity metrics in a couple different uh, points in our journey mm-hmm. and they felt good in the moment but then you look at the long term and you're like I'm just paying for a lot of people to be subscribed or they're like muddying up the waters of what I'm trying to do and they're not the people that I want mm-hmm. and and so I think an interesting thing for us even and we talked about this in one of our uh, emails a couple weeks ago was that post went viral for us. We had one reel go viral, and it's um, I think it's up to like 300,000 views or oh, something. Oh, really? I haven't looked at it recently. Well, it was 200,000, yeah. you know, and still going. But we essentially slowed down posting on Instagram after it yeah. intentionally. Yeah, and it, I, it's definitely like not advice that I would give every single person right. if you're in a position where you really need to use that momentum. But because we are very close to our enough number and we're with good. Our, with our business. With our business, and, yeah. we, and we have other things we want to work on. You know, most people would go like, oh, don't stop posting right after you get this influx of 2,000 yeah. new yeah. followers. Capitalize. It, get yeah, on, you know, like, like get double them down. Yeah. yeah. And and it just, the timing worked out to where we needed to work on other things. And I was like, no, like, actually, this makes sense for us because we're going to stop posting. I put up a post that said why. And I said, you know, that our priorities change and that we'll be back in um, June is when we're going to start posting again. As of now, that's what we're planning. And if those new people are really do really are here because they liked what we were about and they're interested in our content, they will stick around till June to see what we have to say. Yeah. If those people who just followed us because they saw one reel, they thought we were silly, they wanted to see more silly videos and now we're not feeding the feeding the beast with silly videos and yeah. they're they're on to the next, that's totally fine and that's what we want. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing there is that it just it goes to show how little social media has an impact on our business, and that is by design. Right. So we always put that last. We call it our dressing and our content salad. We did a whole episode on, on our content salad strategy if you want to go back and find it. But essentially, it's articles, emails, podcasts, and then Instagram is like at the bottom of the mix. And it's great. It's nice to have, and it's a great way to connect with people. There's there's not really a better way to do that right now in that format but it's always the first thing for us that we're like, we need more time, we need more energy, that thing can be put aside. Yeah, and I also wanna say there's nothing wrong with having a strategy if it works for your business where social media is the biggest piece of the pie. You do you, that's not me saying, that's not us saying that the content salad strategy is the only way to go, 
but for us, social media is one of the only tactics in our, you know, content mix that has such a drastic impact on our mental health. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you have to be careful about the way that you design your business, not even careful, but like the whole point of owning your own business is to design it and craft it in a way that allows you to feel like the brightest version of you and the, the healthiest, most balanced version of you. And for us, that means not relying on a channel that is so unpredictable when it comes to mental health. Yeah. And these days, you know, these days, like when I'm in there, some days I love social media and it's like provides such a value to me. Other days it really messes with my head and it just feels like a gossipy, toxic-y, yeah. you know, flashy, overstimulating, noisy, ego-driven ego place to be. Yeah. And so there's beautiful parts of it. There's vulnerable parts of it. There's real parts of it. And then there's all that other stuff too. And I just we made a very intentional choice to cultivate our content mix in such a way that we would not rely on something that had that type of unpredictability as it relates to our mental health. Yep. I need to be able to step into it and step right back out if I need to. Absolutely. What's next? So, oh, another example of the art of making it hard is... Lol. Lol. You have to, you have to say that. Yeah. The art of making it hard. Yeah. Lol. Otherwise, <laughs> this is a sexual podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. It, it, you thought it was a sexual reference? Like, get your head out of the gutter. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you remember people used to say that? Do yeah. people say that anymore? Uh, sure. I'm like, why would you put your head in a gutter? Oh, get your head out of the gutter. Yeah. Oh, like, why you. is your head in the gutter? Interesting. Is it like your th your thoughts? Yeah. Your thoughts are in the gutter. They're also, like, why do, like in the yeah, yeah? Also, why do we associate sex with being in also, the gutter, like being dirty? Gutter, you, know? you know, it's confusing for me what? because I think of house gutters, like they're on the roof. Really? So if I you're putting your head in the gutter, of... you gotta like get a ladder. You gotta you think of the sewer drain. I think of a sewer drain. So gutter. get your head out of the sewer drain would be more appropriate. <laughs> but again, going back to my point, why do we need to associate sex as being dirty or being like? You know, yeah. it's not dirty. I do understand that a lot of leaves are involved with sex, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you we, guys don't have a lot of leaves. Right? You, you guys, guys don't use a lot of leaves. Yeah, we use a lot of leaves, especially around the fall. <laughs> Ooh, they're crunchy. <laughs> they're crunchy. Yeah, um, in all the right places. <laughs> okay, all right, still going. <laughs> Great. Okay, anything else? All right, I'm done. Yeah. Um, poor those of you who didn't, are not using headphones and you have like four-year-olds are like, mom, yeah, why did sure they do leave? Everyone listens to our podcast and they're like, yeah, yeah they're going to say something weird. Okay. Hard pivot right now. Okay. No pun intended. Um, another example of this would be, um, in the summer of last year, we added a section underneath our buy buttons on our yes. Wandering Gameplay, um, program. And it's, it's a message about our commitment to social justice and what we stand for. And... We did this a couple, for a couple reasons. Number one, we wanted to make it clear that we are not one of those businesses who believes that that societal issues and human rights related issues belong outside of the business. Yeah. We're humans first. That's one of our brand beliefs. And we are always going to speak up about things that we see that are gross injustices in the world. Things like police brutality, things like racism, things like hate crimes, hate crimes yeah. like all of these things. You know, I, I think when people call these things political, it's it's an excuse to bury your head in the sand and not talk about them. Um, and I think there's a big difference between um, allowing room for people's political ideas about how whether we should have big government or small government or whether we should have more taxes or less taxes, these different things. 
we can have intellectual debates about that. What we cannot have intellectual debates about is whether racism exists. Right. It is a fact. Yeah. And so we wanted to make that clear because we're not interested in, you know, amassing a community of people who are not willing to have those conversations yeah. or are, are, you know, offended by somehow those conversations. And so we put that message up. We felt like it was at least one thing, you know, during the summer of last year, following the protests for George Floyd's murder, there were a lot of conversations about what especially white people could do in order to help combat this, this prevalent, you know, issue. And we're big believers in like all the small things add up. So anything that we can do, we're going to do. So that was one of those things. And just saying, being clear and unapologetic about calling out white supremacy, calling out these things. So we did that. An unintended side effect from that is that I believe that the members that we have, you know, all of our members are awesome, but I really feel like the members we've gained in the past year feel so welcoming, so inclusive, so um, on the same page in terms of wanting to be in a thriving inclusive community and I think that's because of the art of making it hard yeah the art of saying right there next to the buy buttons like pause like dear customer potential customer yeah pause for a second yeah don't just whip out your credit card and do an impulse buy pause for a second and read these words and think about if these things resonate with you if you are aligned with these values and if so continue yeah and the the advice that you will hear from pretty much anyone else in the online business space is don't confuse your customers near the buy buttons. Like make it super clear. They got to buy. You got to get the checkout. You got to get the conversion. And then you can do like the social justice message, like being buried in the footer of your website. And I think for us, what we really wanted to say in, in just the entire ethos of Wandering Aimfully is we care about that as a place that like hard stop. If you don't agree that there are social injustices going on we don't want you in our community Mm -hmm. and that's a way for us to say that without having to say it Mm -hmm. right it's a way for us to put that in big bold text with an image right next to our buy buttons so that someone sees that and they go you know if someone was a white supremacist reading our page and they have a creative business like that exists and they're like oh you know what though like i want a company that i'm going to support that's just going to talk about business i don't want you know stay in their lane or whatever yeah i'm so happy that person doesn't buy from us yeah and and that is how you avoid any of those possible things happening yeah and i also want to say i do think sometimes so for for example you know I was thinking about another conversation that I saw happening a lot over last summer was like, you know, um, diversity and and saying like, oh, my, you know, if your customer base is all one demographic, you know, think about that. Why is that? And I think sometimes the white defensive mechanism kicks in and you go, well, that's not my choice. Like, I'm not out there handpicking who my customers are. And it's not my fault if those people who look like me are the people who want to buy from me. But I think that that takes away the, the own, I think that's a cop out is what I'm saying, because our, that message is proof. I think we have the, the most racially diverse crop of new Wayne members in the past year than we've ever had. Oh, for sure. And it's because now, hopefully members of color see that message and go, oh, this is a safe place for me. Right. And they didn't know that before. You know, we thought 
that we were creating a safe place for them because we know ourselves and we know that like, you know, our, what our hearts are and that we would never want someone to feel excluded or that we would never tolerate hate or things like that. But how is a potential customer supposed to know that if they're a person of color? And that's how, that's like where that journey starts too. So if you're someone who's like, yeah, I only have, let's just call it white people. I only have a bunch of white customers who bought my products. And that's probably because A, you only have pictures of other white customers on your sales page. B, you don't have any type of social justice, I'm an anti-racist company message right next to your buy buttons, which is fine. These are all things to improve upon. We didn't have these things either. Then what happens is when you start to get a couple of those people, you ask them to say, hey, can I feature you on the sales page as a customer who's happy with the product? Like not just because you're a person of color. Not to tokenize you, not not to to do those things, but to, to lift up so that other people like you who might be visiting my page can see this is a place where you can be and belong and feel safe. And are thriving, yeah. And for us, that has been an iterative process. We have had to earn the trust of people of color to purchase from us. Then they've had to get value from our products. Then we've asked them if we can put them on our our sales pages and testimonials and things. And a lot of times we haven't had to ask them. They've reached out and said, this has been great. Like if you ever want a testimonial from me, I'd be happy to offer it. And like, that's the best thing you can get because then you're not just like hunting for trying to be diverse. And I think there's a give and take there. Like you got to start somewhere. So that's a good journey to start on. But I do think for us now, I'm so, I also find some weird satisfaction that like 10% of the people who buy from us are men. (laughs) And I don't know why that is, but I just feel like it, honestly, it makes for a better community. Like women are so much more supportive. They're so much more caring. They're so much more empathetic. I'm going to defend men here because that is a generalization. It is for sure. And I do think the men that we do have are very caring. They're very supportive. They're very empathetic. Exactly. So I'm going to speak up for them and I'm going to say, and I'm going to remind all of us that the goal of feminism is not to say that, you know, I think some- bad. Yeah, men men bad. Um, I do think, you know, some of the ways that we have um, maybe normalized behaviors for certain genders, you know, has made very real characteristics come to light in certain areas. But I'm standing up for men on this one. And but I get what you're trying to say, which is that it it is nice to see that we somehow attract a lot of women and that we can help empower them because, as we know, like you know, the opportunities for when we've just had a lot less time, a lot less time historically to get these business opportunities. And so I do like the fact that we're trying to help them as well. Like, it's also an interesting thing for us because in nowhere in any of our copy do we say like, this is the community for women. You know, it's like, it's a self-selection process for them to feel comfortable with us to go, oh, this is the place it looks like I would fit in here. For sure. And I think that's the like, again, like where I get like a little bit of personal satisfaction that I think we've done a good job of setting things up like that and iterating over the years too. Yeah. You know, I think and, that's a big thing. Yeah. And I also want to point out, like, th- this is an area where we know that we have a lot more work to do. It's interesting how we automatically default default to the binary, right? Where it's like, oh, oh it's sure. men or yeah, it's women. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, we forget sometimes that there's a whole spectrum of people in between our non- non-binary friends or, you know, like, people anywhere on the gender spectrum, and that, um, and gender that is... fluid people. That is something that I think we talk about, not every single day, but it comes up quite a lot. And we catch ourselves. Like one of the, probably the most well-known examples is Sam Smith, Mm -hmm. who goes by they. Mm -hmm. And we even talk about Sam Smith. We've been listening to Sam Smith's music for 10 years, probably since the last time I went to the dentist. And... It's, I catch myself misgendering We we both do. We we Mm -hmm. do it all the time. And it's, it's because for us, 
we have so much work to do to untrain our brains in that. And I think that untrain that's, your brain. Untrain your brain. I think that is just one of those things where I'm so glad you acknowledged it because I was just harping on women and harping on women. And I know that we have some non-binary folks who join us this past time. And I don't want them to feel excluded and like that's all that I think about mm-hmm. our community as. And it, it's just one of those things where it's another area for us to have an opportunity to get better. So Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, um, we're always trying and you just, I don't know, I, I look at it as like a, I think some people look around, this is just totally unrelated to this episode. Oh, let's do it. It's fine. I think we talk about this every day where I think a lot of people look around and they go, the rules are changing so yeah, fast. Yeah. The rules of society are changing so fast and it's hard to keep up. And like, that's why you see this term like woke police get thrown around and whatever, because people are so afraid to say things or, you know, it's like, oh, I can't keep track of the rules and all the terms to use and blah, blah. And I just think to myself, like, I think what a, I, I spin it the other way and I go, I'm glad to live in a time where so many people's voices who have been excluded for so long are now having visibility and if it means that we have to work a little bit harder, each of us, to update our software a little bit faster, I welcome that challenge. Like, it's just, to me, it's like, you know, all of us are evolving all the time with so many different aspects of our lives. Why do we also not think that we would have to update how we relate to each other as human beings and communities and trying to be as compassionate as possible so that as many people as possible feel validated and seen as human beings? Like, and I get it. Like, it does feel a little bit like, you look out and saying anything like there's landmines everywhere, you know, but I do think there's a little bit of humbling and like ego swallowing too that goes, yeah, I might step on a landmine, yeah. but that means that I would rather try to update my software, say the wrong thing and know that I'm trying because I know that if, if I say the wrong thing, it's not about me. It's not yeah. about my ego. Yeah, like, that's I, what we're trying to do. And I think that's the mental shift, especially for me. And I think probably you brought that up. Maybe it was even a year ago was to try to reframe this from like, oh, there's so much that I have to know of like, how about just I'm a human operating system and I need software updates often. Yeah. Like literally I'm like a device and yeah. I need, oh, oh there's a 10.1.3.4.7.9.6.3.2.9. <laughs> and this one has... I need to understand this yeah. and and to be open to that. And like some of those software updates are going to be uncomfortable and they're going to be some unlearning that we have to do. They're going to be buggy. Yeah. They're going to make gonna, your oh, windows no, now disappear. Now I can't send mail, you know, I can't even like <laughs> deliver mail. But they also, they, they do create a lot of help for other people who are marginalized, who, you know, have all these other things that we don't even think about that we need to do a better job of thinking about. So anyway, totally. thanks for taking that trip to Tangent Town with us. Tangent town. Um, going back to be on topic, being on yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. Those were some examples of, you know, th- tactics that we kind of view as the art of making it hard. But I think it is a bigger conversation. We've touched on it a little bit about quantity versus quality yeah. in terms of your audience. And we just want this episode to give you, listener, a little bit of permission to shift your thinking away from like maximizing every opportunity to get somebody into your audience to thinking about trying to get the right people into your audience. And I know that that gets talked about a lot, but it's always worth repeating uh, because ultimately you're going to build such a, so much of a stronger community if you focus on quality instead of just quantity. 
Yeah, for sure. The one example I want to give here, uh, our good friend Michelle Rohr, uh, who many of our listeners will know, but some of you don't know. Um, but just a very quick aside with Michelle Rohr, she bought our Buy Our Future version of Wandering Aimfully in 2017, I believe. And we had a one-on-one coaching package that we offered with it to just a couple people. And so I did this one-on-one coaching with her, and it was just such a fun time to like come into her life because she was working full-time for this other entrepreneur group. She had just had a couple like small things going on and she was trying to figure out how to you know, like shift the, the balance to her stuff. And I remember one of the first conversations we had, she was like, I've got this email list of like, I don't think it was like 10,000 people or something like that. She was like, I'm thinking about just deleting it, starting over and building my email list only on customers. So my email list would literally only be people who bought stuff from me. Now, of those 10,000 people, probably like 200 were customers or something like that. And I remember having this moment where everything in my marketer brain was like, whoa, 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 flashing red lights. Don't do that. Don't do that. But in my art of making it hard before we even like really thought about that, and maybe we were thinking about it at that time, I was like, yeah, do that. Because that will make such a strong email list for you moving forward. And it has worked out so well for her. But also, I think the important uh, context there is it has worked out over the course of years. Absolutely. So it's not like you delete that list, you start the new one, and then the next month you're up to 10,000 customers. That's not how it works. You're going to have a slower pace. and But we really try and lean into that slower pace mm-hmm. because when you get over the hump of this is difficult, I'm not getting as many customers as I want, I'm not getting my enough number, maybe I'm not even getting my minimum monthly magic number for for making the amount of money that I need just to pay my bills. But when you do get those things working, when you do get that momentum and you finally get to that place, and I think that's where Michelle is now or maybe a year or so ago, it's where we have been for a couple years, you start to realize, oh, awesome. Now all I'm doing is attracting the right people and things become a lot... Easy is a a weird word to say, but they do become a lot easier. You Mm -hmm. don't have as much difficulty trying to get your next customer to get people to find you. And it is one of those things I just, I think it's really important to hear stories like that so that you listener might be in a place that's like that, or maybe not even there yet. And you can go, oh, okay, that's what I want to strive for. I don't want to strive for these million follower accounts on Instagram, 100,000 email subscribers, Facebook ads out the wazoo that I have to pay for to build this business. No, no. I can do this slower and I can do it at my own pace and I can also do it in a way that feels good. Yeah, I I think that actually parlays really well into this conversation about the quality of a follower and we touched on it a little bit earlier that comes through like a viral growth moment and the quality of a follower that comes from a slow and steady growth moment. And the analogy that quickly came to my brain was like... What's the difference between a metaphor and an analogy? I'll tell you. Okay, thank you. I've been waiting for this day all my life. (laughs) (laughs) I've been preparing for this for years. What's your keywords you don't forget your analogy for? Okay. A metaphor... Yes. ...is... I don't know if I have the language to describe these things anymore now that I'm not in eighth grade English class, but... A metaphor. I'll tell you the difference between a metaphor, a simile, and an no, analogy. No, no, I don't want the simile in there. I'm never okay. going to use a simile, and if I do, it's by accident. A metaphor is that you're basically comparing two things by saying that they are the same. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. So, um, you know, the okay. Let me. This will be fun. <laughs> uh, this this water jug yeah. is a metaphor for my life. It's energy. Starts so okay. full, okay. and then over time, it becomes depleted <laughs> until I die. <laughs> okay, so that was really fucking morbid, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, that's a metaphor. Okay. An analogy. Use the water bottle again. Is, um, I'm pretty sure 
an analogy is where you're comparing two things and then you're comparing two more things. Okay. Isn't that an analogy? So I like, don't know, which is why I asked so you and you said you were prepared this for this. water bottle, okay, water is to this water bottle uh-huh. as years are to my life. So it's the same thing. I mean, it's just a different way of saying the same thing. But they're the same thing. Is that an analogy? <laughs> Somebody who is an English major is really going to get pissed at me. Um, Hello, wanderingangel.com. Please define metaphor Here's the thing analogy. that you need to know. My English skills don't have to be excellent. They just have to be better <laughs> than Jason's. And he will Which, trust whatever I tell him. 100% always better. <laughs> don't even know what a past participle is. No clue. Uh, all right. Okay. Let's get back to music. So music. This the, analogy metaphor. Yeah. And now that I said that, it's like... Is it a metaphor? That's is it an analogy? analogy? What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of that SAT thing where they make you say that A is to B yeah. as C is to D. All right. We got to move on. Okay. Is... The metaphor that I'm going to go with is the music industry. And yeah. so I think about those bands that have like a viral moment where like they come on the scene, you didn't even hear of them before, and they have like a hit, a crazy hit, right? Chubbawamba. No. Let's go with like, um, here, what's like a good like what? Shaggy. Boombastic. No, stop. <laughs> um, Mambo number five? No, I think of like, oh, what's the, um, what's the, the, the song that the guy Psy, remember that song that was yeah. so big? Yeah, what yeah, was yeah. that called? Uh, what was it called? Wow. The, this is a great metaphor I know. for the or, metaphor. Or, you know, another one I was thinking of is what does the fox say? Yeah, Do you remember yeah, yeah. that? Yeah. So like one of those songs, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it's everywhere. You have all these fans that you just like didn't expect. And you're the hottest thing in town for like, what, three months? Six I mean, months? yeah, and even shorter now. But yeah, right. at, the, at that time. So you get this intense influx of growth, but it feels like a house of cards. Like it's so fickle. And, you know, if you don't keep putting out hits or if you, you know, um, decide to step away or something, people are just on to the next because the connection was so fragile. Right. Versus one of those bands that no one's ever heard of that you found on a weird Pandora playlist back yeah. in the day. Yeah. You love their lyrics. Yeah. You feel the music. You think they're the coolest. You read every lyric booklet and maybe you secret singers club sing them uh, <laughs> with an instrumental yeah. at home by yourself. I think about this school. as like Sister Hazel. Like I remember Sister Hazel like Way back, do you know who Sister Hazel is? Yeah. No, hold on. So, like, back in 2000, uh-huh. when Sister Hazel was, like, first kind of coming on the, the scene. Are we thinking of the same person? Sister Hazel is, like, a 90s band. Yeah, I think so. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is going to take way too long. I and don't I, think, I think that I you're go... Sister Hazel. Yeah. I believe they covered Meet Virginia, and that was, like, one of their big hits. <laughs> This is Sister Hazel, just so you know. We're going to get copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've covered Meet Virginia, for sure. I remember hearing them cover it. I'm so confused yeah. about whatever you're going to tell me. This well, is so not your type of music. No, I know. The reason is because Ryan, my college roommate, okay. was such a huge fan of this band. Okay. And I remember at the time, I was like, oh, like Dave Matthews Band? And he was like, no, not like Dave Matthews Band. Like, they're like a big band that's like a small band that I want to support and like see in like small uh, like I'm just so ex- weirded out that your example for this is Sister Hazel. Well, no, I was, I was talking about like you know sleeping at last. You know, yeah, like you. But I think sleeping at last could be the Sister Hazel of 1997. That that's fine. I'm not going to take Sister <laughs> Hazel away from you. It's just that Sister Hazel is like a 
We have the weirdest podcast of all time. <laughs> okay, I just I just Spotify Googled Sister Hazel Meet Virginia and got nothing, so I still maintain that I don't think that's the right person that you're thinking of. But anyway. Spotify Googled, can- by the way. <laughs> all right. This Google, metaphor. Google is such a longer word than just search. 23 minutes ago when you were what? like, I have a metaphor. <laughs> Everyone's like, what are we talking about? Yeah, guess who's, guess who's responsible for Me, that? Me, 100%. You, you are an and interrupter. because you, you're a co-host. Yeah. So it's your fault. Long story short, if you are a more viral music person, it's fragile. It's like a house of cards. If you're slow and steady, people love you. You grow slow. And people are there because they like the content. They are true fans. And I just think that's a helpful metaphor. So like Psy versus Sister Hazel. That's right. (laughs) Yep. Tell tell that to all your friends. Explain that. You closed your phone. What other notes on the art of making it hard do we need to wrap up with here? I think that that was mainly it. The last thing that we had was about pricing and using um, sevens and nines. Oh, yeah. If you want to talk about that. So this is the last thing we want to talk about with, uh, especially like related to business and tactics that you use. So one thing that we are all familiar with is when you buy things and the price ends in a seven or a nine. So it's $47 or it's $49. One of the decisions that we made a couple of years ago, and I definitely led the charge on this, was I want to stop using as many psychological tactics as possible when asking people to buy something from us. Because we all as humans are so inundated with psychological buying tactics. Mm -hmm. And so if we can remove a couple, it makes me feel better when someone buys that it wasn't this other thing that got them to buy. It was that they genuinely wanted to buy the thing. Yeah, and and I do want to state, like, it's a really nuanced thing, right? Because when you think about it, there is no way to remove psychology from selling. Totally. Because buying something is a psychological decision. And so... You're always, you know, unless you just put put a, a product online, even the naming of it is psychological. Yeah, like for every sure. aspect of it yeah. is psychological. So you're never going to eliminate that completely. But to Jason's point, I think there are decisions that you can make as a business owner for you and, you know, where you are in your journey and your ability to draw those hard lines in the sand to say, you know what? I'm just going to have my prices not end in sevens and nines. Yeah. Just... And the, the reason that you can actually look up the psychological history of this, like there's a bunch of research on it. I wrote an article many years ago that like cited some of it. And I don't know that it's still up anymore, but the, it was proven. It was proven that people would buy more things with a seven, nine. And we see this ourselves. Like you see something on Amazon and it's $29 versus $30. You're like, yeah, $20 is cheaper than $30. Right. Like it's just this weird thing we do. And I don't want to shame anybody who's listening to this, who sells something with a seven, nine. Our tea tree platform still uses a nine. Yeah. Now, the reason why that hasn't been changed, because many years ago we looked into it, boy, that would be a clusterfuck to change it. Yeah. Like, it's a software application, and that subscription is baked in. It's very difficult for us to change that. Now, the difference for us was, with Wandering Ainfly, our Wandering Ainfly Limited program, we could make that a round number, and it was really easy to do. A nice whole number, no sevens, no nines. And so I think my, my takeaway point there to you, dear listener, is... You can do these things early on. You can set the precedent. You can also change later on. Like if you feel like you have to start with sevens and nines to get some traction and then you can change later, great. By all means, do that. Do what feels right for you. I just wanted to bring it up as one of the other things that we do that's just like a small thing that when I lay my little head down in my pillow at night Mm -hmm. and I go to sleep, I feel really good that everyone who buys something from us didn't get manipulated into a seven or a nine part of the buying process. It just makes me personally feel good. Yeah, no. for sure. I think that's the whole point of this entire episode. Uh, episode is the art of making it hard, lol, is just about making you feel as good as possible about how you run your business, your marketing, all that stuff. 
and also know that you're trying to build the highest quality customer base, subscriber base, followership that you can and that it's going to help you for years. And that you don't have to maximize every single opportunity just for buyers or followers or fans or whatever and that you can make some decisions in order to filter out some of those people who are going to maybe dilute your audience. What a great wrap up. Uh, we're going to get into some movies here, but I want you to know, we said before recording this, it's going to be a 30 minute episode. I knew it was going to go longer. Are we going to still record? <laughs> a second episode after this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can let the people know that we record back to back sometimes because yeah. we, it's, uh, it's Wednesday. Yeah. We're supposed to record on Tuesday Yeah. and we need to get caught up and get ahead. Okay. Let's talk about movies. So we had, uh, our two movies last week were... The Matrix. Uh-huh. And yeah. a gem. A gem. Uh, this is a hot gem. Hot gem. We call this a hot gem. That's the flame emoji and then the gem emoji. And it's vertical limit. Let's get Matrix out of the way. And then we can okay. really just dwell well, on Well, I don't want to undersell Matrix because, I mean, I understand. groundbreaking. Well, here's the difficult thing for me with The Matrix as well okay. is because I believe The Matrix for me is a 10. Wow. Out of 10. Like, I think rewatching. Is that your favorite movie? No. What would be a um, Chef. Okay, that's a 10 out of 10 for you. Yeah, with John Favreau. That's a but 10 is out of 10 it, for is me. Matrix make the top five? Ooh. I think after rewatching it. more tens out of tens. So here's the interesting thing about picking a top five movies for me is uh -huh. like, it's it's maybe the top top five movies at the time that I watched it in my life, it was the best movie I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. So if I had to think about that right now, yeah. I would say like Chef, I would say The Dark Knight Rises, I would say uh, The Matrix. Uh -huh. I don't know that I could do any more than that. <laughs> but like that to me, like The Matrix, when... We rewatched The Matrix because it was made 20 years You're ago. You're comparing plus it to like the pacing of now. Marvel and movies and like right, the right, right. insane budgets and like all this stuff that they can do technologically. It's not, fair. it's not a fair comparison. You're comparing. You got to put on your 2000 goggles. You're comparing a gutter to a sewer drain. They're just not comparable. <laughs> one filters out leaves, one just dumps leaves into the ocean. Careful how much you say leaves. <laughs> Watch out. Crunchy, crunchy. Crunchy. Not for a few months. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, The Matrix is a 10 because. We rewatched re re it, and it's a it's a fantastic movie. The story's amazing. The acting is on point. Keanu is Keanu. You're just going to get Keanu in it's it. It's Keanu as best, except for speed, of course. But it's just like the visual effects at the time were groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Now, if I compare it to a 2021 movie, of course it's not the same caliber, mm -hmm. but it's still so great. So that's yeah, why, that I, is why I think in our scale, I have to give it a 10. I'm glad for yeah. you. I... There were a couple of things that I wish were like a little bit more explained. Like how Lawrence Fishburne's glasses stayed on his nose. It made, it really <laughs> just baffled me every time. I'm like, tell me what the secret is. No, I, I think what's really cool about The Matrix is not just that it was this groundbreaking action movie, but that it was this like metaphor, Ooh, wow. you know, yeah. for other things and uh, that it had this like really deep storyline um which i think was why people just went crazy over it at the time because they were like whoa like this is yeah. not just visually really stunning but also really makes you think yeah. um which is cool and it's not a 10 for me but it's it's a great movie what would you give it on my scale for yeah. me personally enjoyment level this is my own personal enjoyment yeah, yeah, yeah. this is taste this yeah. is not don't come for me <laughs> <laughs> rotten tomatoes uh yeah also fun side fact my brother deemed our classic movie night rotten potatoes so <laughs> every, we love potatoes. he always he likes to join 
he lives in Florida, but he likes to like watch some of the movies that we do sometimes. So usually about Friday or Saturday morning, I'll get a text that just goes, how rotten are the potatoes? <laughs> and then that means tell me what the picks are, yeah. which I think is cute. Yeah. Um, so my rotten potatoes scale yeah. <laughs> is, I'm going to give Matrix an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. Wow. Point. But also this type of movie eight. isn't like your type of movie. Like that is not objectively Harris, not it's true. It's not Harrison Ford running through a yeah, but city. Do you get being, that it's getting like, shot at? It's actually very close to that. No, it is, but it's way more sci-fi y. Yeah, but I like sci-fi movies. Name another sci-fi movie that you Prometheus? really like. Prometheus. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> like, <laughs> name another one. <laughs> okay, I'll name so many. Uh, Interstellar. Is that sci-fi? Not really. What that's, aliens? That's War space. of the Worlds. Yeah. I, want, I like a lot of the sci-fi movies. All right, point taken, point taken. All right, so The Matrix, I don't think that's a movie we have to explain much, which is why I said we would talk about it. Um, give it a rewatch, 100% worth a rewatch. What? What's up? Just us being married and like together for 11 years, and you'd be like, yeah, but you don't like sci-fi movies. And me being like, 100% I do. <laughs> I, as a person... But I think what I meant was they're not like your favorite movie, John. They, they really, fine. They're <laughs> very close to I'm the top. I'm trying to get something right here, you know, that I can feel good about. <laughs> you tell me what an analogy is. <laughs> the analogy is the watch hand that has the, the ticky-tocky parts. Okay, let's move on to the hot gem. Okay, hot gem, fire emoji, gem emoji, vertical limit. Wow. If you have heard of this movie, congratulations to you. I had never heard of it. I had never heard of this movie either. Uh, this movie features, what's his name? Chris, Chris O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Chris okay, O'Donnell. Okay, okay. Uh, it features a couple other people, but no one really. Oh, uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. That's right. Um, of Independence Day? No, that's Bill Pullman. Twister? Twister. 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 <laughs> yeah. And True Lies. That's okay. where he also shines. I've already forgotten True Lies. Oh, True Lies I'm is so a great sorry. one. That's close to a 10 for me too. <laughs> Yeah, now that I'm thinking about okay. it. At its time. Uh, anyway. she likes sci-fi movies. <laughs> uh, Vertical Limit is literally what you think it is. It is Die Hard, The Fugitive, these movies. Well. Climbing uh, Ice Mountains. Everest. Or, or yeah. K2. Yeah. Not Everest. Yeah. Um, also, at some point during it, I know if you've listened to other episodes, I know we're, we signed off the Sly Stallone train. We did, But we yeah, last started episode. watching the movie and we were like, this is a cliffhanger too. It is. And then in the trivia, we learned that this was literally supposed to be a, a sequel two. to Cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't. But yeah. um, it's climbing. Yep. It's a brother-sister dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, you know, survival. Yeah, there's like a rich billionaire, which is Bill Paxton's character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's... There's hubris. There's some greed. There's greed. There's... Yeah. Oh, there's the sweet storyline of... There's a revenge storyline, as I'll say about that. Yep. There's um, like a long-lost romance storyline yeah, as well, which yeah, comes into play, yeah. which you love. I love. You love. I love. Uh, this movie... I mean, I can't give it a 10. No, because it's, it's not... It it's can't hokey, be a 10. It's, it's hokey. silly. It is your classic, like, early 2000s, late 90s action movie. Yeah. It's not... It's not phenomenal. It's not Oscar-worthy acting. Yeah, but on the enjoyment scale of watching... It's so high. I think it's oh, a also, 9. Also, I think it's a 9. I'm just remembering some of the, the like, the, the curveballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really... And then some of the tension. They really go high with the tension. I think it's a 9 for me on the Rotten Potatoes. it might have to be a 9 on the Rotten Potatoes. I think it's potatoes. a Rotten Potatoes. We were on a walk and we were, re, like, the day after we saw it, and we were like... What would you change? What, and I was like, I don't change? think I would change a thing. Because you change one thing and it's not it's not vertical limit anymore. It's you not know? the vertical limit. So uh, 100% would recommend watching Vertical Limit this weekend. 
go into it super low super expectations, low even expectations. though we built it up with nines. Your rotten no, potatoes so is going to be low. different than our rotten potatoes. Just be ready for the unexpected, you know? Be ready for like a diehard experience, a cliffhanger experience, like that type of movie, and you you will enjoy it. I mean, I don't know. You can't tell people to be also, ready the, for a diehard experience. The opening scene. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, all right, everybody. That's it for this podcast episode. We want to thank you so much for listening this far. We're going to get this in right under one hour, which is just magical and wonderful. But we said 30 minutes before recording. We didn't do that. That's how we roll, you know? That's and how we cinnamon, cinnamon roll. You love that. Uh, all right. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.